welcome to Chatting Markets for another fortnight. My name's Kyle Rodder and this week we have a special guest, Tom Wilson, who's a normal guest, is uh, off jet setting around the country, but we have a very special guest all the way from New York, David Song. How are you, David? Doing well, Kyle, and thanks for having me today. Yeah, it's good to have you. um, You've been in the office for about a month, two months now, time's flown. You're here to bring the wisdom of Wall Street to us, more or less. Um, so it's been uh, great to have you around, and hopefully, great to uh, riff on some things today with a with a new perspective. Yeah, it's great to be here, having a great time so far, being in Melbourne, and, and yeah. more than anything, I think it's just interesting how we're seeing uh, the sort of macro environment develop, mm. some interesting themes going on in the market, and uh, you know, I really want to see how we're going to wrap up the month of trade of July, especially with the Fed rate decision, yeah. you know, next week. And you know, we heard some interesting things coming out of the European Central Bank. Yeah. Um, but I know there's a few things you wanted to cover today, Kyle. That's right. Yeah. So I mean, it's only fitting that we keep this broad, uh, worldly, um, open up our our doors to what's going on uh, on the other side of the planet, particularly because you're our special guest. But ECB, the last 24 hours. But you know, in the midst of U.S. earnings in the background too this week, a few little things in the trade war, blah 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 blah. But then we gear up for the Fed next week, and that's obviously what markets are looking at. It's probably going to be the most important Fed meeting that we've had probably at least since December last year. Pretty, uh, pretty important stuff. Yeah, and it's going to be really interesting to see more than the language coming out of the Federal mm-hmm. Reserve, I think, but. Um, to see really how markets are going to react to all this yeah. and you know bringing it back to the European Central Bank rate decision yeah uh, if you look at the initial statement not much of a change but when we got into the press conference with President Draghi mm. uh, that's when we really start to get some more meat behind what the yeah. intentions of the ECB is what the governing council is working on right now at the moment <laughs> you know what they're weighing on uh, but I think uh, that's sort of what solidified it in terms of you know, what we're seeing from the ECB is that they're not ready to move. Right? Right. And, and that was, you know, one thing I think that took maybe markets by surprise, if you will. Mm. Maybe some were looking for big announcement this week. But, you know, I think that's what we got is they're not ready to move. Uh, they are working on some th- things, maybe trying to work out the kinks, if you will, and some of their future intentions of where they want to take monetary policy. Uh, but for now, I think, you know, that that's something that we have to be mindful about how markets reacted to all this news, yeah. all these headlines, and you know what can we take from this and apply it maybe to the Fed rate decision coming up next week. For sure. Well, just on the ECB quickly, we'll, we'll riff on that for a little bit. I mean, I, I woke up this morning, I like to read the headlines that you get across your Bloomy terminal and all the other the, the publishers across the world because as you're probably experiencing now where you tend to wake up to the news rather than sort of you know swim swim down the river with it you know, sort of jump in in the in the morning and try and catch up to everything that's happened i mean i'd love to get your point of view on it too because you normally watch these things effectively live is that the, the narrative around this waking waking up to it this morning was really difficult to get a grasp on i mean you had the decision itself and like you alluded to before i mean baked into the market was effectively some marginal chance of a cut so you had that dip and rip um at this sort of market dynamic around the, the decision itself. And that's that's more of a quirk of market dynamics, isn't it? They had, they had to price out what was in there, Euro rallies. But all of a sudden, we had Draghi coming out. And we found it very, I found it very difficult to get a bit of an understanding on what he was actually trying to deliver there. Yeah, the economy is bad, but he came out with this ambiguity, uh, ambiguous um, statement that um, you know it's not a gloomy day or whatever it happens to be. And markets really didn't know what to do with themselves, and it was particularly around those comments around the, the, the um, European economic outlook being a little worse than expected. Um, 
risk assets tumbled on that. Um, I mean, with your with your experience there, how, how do you package that story up in, in terms of what it says about ECB policy and where markets are at right now? And, and I guess from my experience, bigger, broader picture, we have to remember a few things that's going to happen over the coming months. Uh, Mr. Mario Drahi, his tenure is over October 31st. So yeah. you know, we, we've heard the headlines already. Uh, Miss Christine Lagarde will be t- taking the helm. Mm. And if you were around when we had this transition from uh, John Claude Trichet, the former ECB central yeah. bank head, and when Draghi came on board, mm. uh, some, interesting things, <laughs> some interesting things happened. Yeah. Uh, you know, we actually saw JCT, Jean Claude Trichet, actually yeah. raise interest rates yeah. just before Draghi came on. All. Mm. Uh, to really set Mr. Mario Drahi uh, to cut rates to lows, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, are we in that sort of situation? I don't think so. I don't think we're in any sort of situation where we're going to see the ECB raise rates or anything like uh, that. No. But, but more so, is he going to really sort of uh, pave the way in terms of this upcoming transition and really get the markets ready for a potential cut? You know, if, yeah, in, in rates and maybe even more than that going forward uh, as we looking for this new leadership i think you know if we look back to the fed as well when jerome powell came on board and when we had the hiking cycle everyone was wondering oh is he going to keep hiking rates or is he going to start hiking rates you know as he takes over uh and we saw what happened right so yeah. you know i think that's sort of the theme that, that we're also living in if you will yeah with all that's going on that you know sort of expect the unexpected yeah. uh so maybe that's something that we can take uh going into the fed rate decision next week yeah. uh, but just based on my experience right now uh, i think I'll just leave it up to what we heard from Draghi, right? Where yeah. uh, the ECB is looking at all these unconventional tools, and if they do implement them, mm. they do or are gauging the risk surrounding and trying and will mitigate some of the risk surrounding these non-standard measures. Uh, but I think the clear uh, statement from the ECB, and and again, maybe it's because I'm sure the ECB sees these expectations for the Fed mm. rate cut next week. You know, why move yeah. ahead of the Fed? You know, yeah. I, th- I think that's where, you know, it really comes down to him more so. Uh, we'll continue to gauge the data coming out of the Eurozone. We'll see, of course, I think how the whole shift in U.S. trade policy will yeah. you know, turn out and, of course, Brexit. But for now, I think that's sort of the, the message from the ECB. No yeah. real reason for them to move right now. And, and remember, the ECB has one mandate. It's price stability. They continue to fall short. Yeah. Uh, so they continue to uh, reinforce this idea they will keep a very accommodative stance but the question is, yeah, do, do they need to do more at this current point in, in yeah. time, especially if we're going to see uh, easing coming out of the Federal Reserve and more so if you're watching what's happening in these emerging markets, you know, we're seeing these central banks also start to ease as well. Uh, let's take the RBA, for example, yeah. very meaningful statement that we heard from Governor Philip Lowe. Uh, that period. Exactly. Extended more. Period. And, you know, is this going to be the theme, the sort of headline coming out of yeah. the Reserve Bank of New Zealand? They yeah. are actually looking at more non-standard or think about venturing into non-standard measures yeah, yeah. you know so with all this in play and uh, i'll be personally honest if, if i was sitting on the governing council right now and given all the risk factors and and you know what i will argue some of the data is bad but it's not that bad not yet yeah no. not yet so you know for the ecb to maybe move ahead of the fed you know maybe that was a good move on the governing council's part uh but that's my sort of takeaway and i think yeah. you know with that in mind uh you know with the federal reserve on tap next week yeah I think the big question is, is are we going to get this insurance cut, mm. this one and done deal, or is there going to be something like from the RBA, this 
back-to-back cutting cycle? Will they reverse yeah. the four hikes that we got from 2018? And I think, you know, those are some of the things that we have to be mindful of, especially going into the Fed next week. But, you know, the one last thing that I also want to say about the governing council, I know we're seeing, uh, especially if you're watching your Bloomberg terminals and mm. Twitter, what have you, there's just a lot of market chatter going on about, yeah, oh, well, the yeah. government uh, governing council was, you know, some are saying this, some are saying well, it's that. It's a lot of discourse analysis, a right? Lot. Rhetoric, yes. just noise. Yes. It's, it's, a, it's sort of self-perpetuating, yes. isn't it? And, and given the structure of the governing council, and, and this is where, you know, we'll see how uh, Christine Lagarde is going to manage the governing council going forward. But I can only imagine with a riff like that, how can you bring all these guys together, mm. agree on a package where they can come out and say, hey, guys, given all this, you know, so we, we take this unanimous decision mm. and also you know the ecb has also mentioned things about their credibility right that because they continue to fall short on the inflation mandate yeah. they want to boost that and or ensure that you know they continue to have the market's confidence that they will yeah. be able to achieve their inflation goals so i think with all these things in play it's going to be very interesting to watch um, how this transition plays out but you know i think maybe that's what the ecb is setting us up for absolutely i, I mean i totally agree like the, the, you know maybe some kind of kernel that you know you could strip out all the noise was one, um, the, the, try and, the attempt from Draghi to try and preserve the in- institutional integrity of, of the ECB, just to start with, it it sort of read like a little bit of an exit strategy and a, and a handover report. Um, and a lot of that was to try and provide that continuity and, I suppose, restore faith um, in, the, in the credibility of the ECB to be able to, to actually do its job. Um, and we were talking just before we uh, flicked on record here about some of the political pressure at the moment around, you know, that general mistrust around these, these major supranational institutions and whether they can actually do the job that they're assigned to do. Um, and it just sort of spoke very, very loudly of a, of a central bank trying to basically maintain its legitimacy at a time where central banks around the world have been given a lot of responsibility to try and act and, and save the day, uh, but increasingly they've, they've proven themselves to be impotent because, you know, quite naturally, for, for anyone who knows, they can't do everything, they're not designed to do everything, um, but, you know, governments have outsourced that power to central banks to save the day. This is almost a, a little bit of a, uh, an admission, this is extended period of low rates, which has been language picked up by the BOE, the, uh, the RBA, the ECB, you know, that uh, it's their little way of saying, we've done what we can, we'll do what we, we can you know, can to continue to help things, but you know, someone else is to, to pick up the slack there. But um, I mean, that does that does lead into the the Fed meeting next week because you know, effectively, markets are expecting uh, more or less in terms of the implied pricing in the market that this extended period language will extend to the Fed too next week. Um, but again, we were chatting before, Dave, and you were saying that mm, maybe they're not going to come with the goods on that one. Um, what do you what do you reckon there? Yeah, I mean, if you're just even watching Fed Fund Futures, uh, you know, we talked about this, right? Just 100% probability that the Fed will deliver something. Right? Yeah. Will it be 25 base point cut? Will it be 50? Uh, markets are, I think, leaning towards that 25. Uh, and that's where I can only imagine what would happen if the Fed didn't deliver mm-hmm. a rate cut next week. So, oh, yeah. and, and, and as you mentioned before, Cal, how much of this is really baked into everything, mm. right? So. That's where, for me, of course, what it comes down to, I think, will be the Ford guidance. And, yeah. you know, same story kind of with the ECB as they hold a press conference following the interest rate decision. Mm. So I think, yes, we'll get that initial maybe a reaction with the uh, if we get that rate cut. Yeah. Again, markets are widely expecting that. But, yeah. you know, we'll have that press conference with Chairman Jerome Powell. And, and yeah. I think that's where, you know, we have to be very mindful because when you take a look at, you know, 
and the same applies as with the ECB, trying to bring all these different officials that come from different regions, you know, yeah. with sort of the same mindset or, or at least coming to the table together and agreeing to do something. So, you know, with where we are right now, uh, we've heard a lot of mixed commentary been coming out of the Fed. Mm. Uh, one of the bigger doves on the FOMC this year. Uh, Bullard. Yeah, Bullard. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, he continues to endorse this idea of, a, of an insurance cut, right? Yeah. But, you know, I think that's probably one of the or as dovish as we've gotten, mm. right? And I don't think we've seen the Fed really endorse this idea that we're going to zero, no. right? Other than uh, just a few academic exercises <laughs> here and there. And that's of kind of, I think, the theme that we're seeing from the RBA, which is maybe catching markets off guard. Yeah. The back-to-back accompanied by now and again maybe the timing is uncanny maybe it's just coincidence but the fact that you know we have this the head of the rba coming out with this very dovish speech after they've done uh you know back-to-back rate cuts yeah and continues to portray to the markets that you know they have more room to do more of this yeah. going forward so you know is that sort of the theme that we'll see next week out of the fed um i personally don't think that's going to be the case yeah and just my sort of uh, outlook for the fed next week is uh, you know, given sort of where the ECB is at and given the reaction as well, yeah. Uh, if we do see the Federal Re- uh, Reserve endorse this idea that, you know, this was an insurance cut, yeah. one-off event, yeah. they're going to revert back to this wait-and-see approach, continue to see what's going to yeah. happen, especially on the trade front, then I can see, you know, maybe that spurs something similar to the ECB reaction, right? Yeah. Where with the euro dollar, we saw that dip and then the rip yeah. in the euro. Uh, well, maybe- the market will still have to price out the... the, the- potential for 50 basis point cuts. Exactly. So it's 33 basis points of cuts at the moment. Don't take me on that exactly, but it's more than 25 baked mm-hmm. into the interest rate curve. So the dollar has to rip by necessity, at least at the start, because you've got to readjust that price mm-hmm. initially. And that's where, again, even if we get the cut, is it going to be, and again, ECB didn't cut this time, but yeah, if you look yeah. at price action, right, even though we got the announcement where the ECB held rate steady, mm-hmm. we saw that decline in the euro, and then once Draghi started delivering the, uh, the presser, that's when we started seeing that mm. that sort of rip in the in the euro dollar exchange rate. So, again, same thing with the dollar. Is that going to be the sort of reaction where initially, if we get this cut, and if it's only twenty five, yeah. are we going to see yeah maybe a bit of weakness in the dollar? But you know, once we get to the press conference with Chairman Powell, and if he yeah. truly yeah. endorses this idea that hey guys, this is insurance cut, one off event, yeah. we're not going to do this rate cutting cycle like what we're yeah. seeing across the world. Yeah. Then I think yeah maybe we can see a more bullish scenario. And again. Same story and, and sort of same reaction that we've seen with the euro to the ECB. Yeah. And that's what I think, you know, we need to keep in the back of our minds. And again, you know, like you mentioned, how much will the markets have to adjust? And if you're looking at what's happened with equities, yeah. same story with the ECB, right? DAX. It has to be seeing huge, a, cause yeah. it's like huge because yields will have to rip higher on, on that basis. You know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen, um, I mean, the 10 years across the globe either hit record lows or hit, you know, um, post-crisis lows effectively or post-QE lows, more, more like it. Um, I mean, just on that basis alone, you know, the, the, the risk-free rates rallying even five to ten basis points is going to drive equities lower straight away. And this is the argument I'd like to get your, your, your view on is that, you know, a little bit like we had last year where as hard as the Fed tried to stick to this um, hiking cycle, eventually it got dragged kicking and screaming by the market back to where it wanted to be. You know, the Fed doesn't signal, maybe this meeting will be an exception, they can go a couple of months, but, you know, if we continue to see, say, slowing U.S. growth and the forward indicators of U.S. growth, ISM manufacturing is always a great forward indicator for this. If that continues to drag markets to believe that the the U.S. economy is in kind of 
you know major late cycle um, or showing major late cycle behaviour that you know equity starts to suffer because they want more accommodative monetary policy conditions and they have to price out the, the cuts that were in the market uh, you know a couple of months ago which you know we're talking about a few months down the line now is that eventually the Fed will have to respond by giving the market what it wants which is that rhetoric around more interest rate cuts you know my, my, my sort of thinking there is if you're sitting on the sitting on the board you just sort of go well do we just follow what the markets are telling us knowing that you know really we're have trouble not being dragged back there eventually anyway we can just cut the volatility out in between yeah and and, and that's why I think the Fed is going to uh, face a very, very difficult de- uh, decision going forward and more so um, the next scheduled update for the summary of economic projections right that's yeah. coming in September yeah I think that's why there's so much emphasis around the ECB September week yeah. decision as well yeah. Yeah. Uh, but again with all the things that are coming up even in terms of the Fed schedule where they really don't have to update in, in that interest rate dot plot yeah. until they have to get you know, until September mm. we're seeing all these headlines that uh, US officials are going to be flying over to China next week and maybe we'll see that hope again that there'll be some meaningful announcement on that front Uh, but more so you know we'll have to continue watching the data and that's where you know we have the updates to the US GDP and you know not supposed to be quite poor yeah it is we're we're supposed to see sub 2% rate of growth I think current projections are for 1.8% yes and we'll see how that will all fare uh, in terms of again not only in terms of you know the monetary policy outlook but more so how will markets react to all this data mm. right is, is that going to maybe reinforce expectations that and, and again looking at different dynamics of you know what markets like to look at the yield curve the inversion that's happening yeah. you know is, yeah. is that a, a big warning here i think that's yeah. been the big discussion over the you know not only you know over the last couple of months but yeah. well, you know this for was the some time. sign that i saw the um the other day actually was that there's there's a someone i follow on um on, on Twitter who provides a lot of commentary around the three months to 10 year mm-hmm. curve in particular and obviously that's been identified I think it was the San Francisco Fed has yes. been the best best barometer of um, the u- upcoming recession uh, but the real key signal and this is according to this writer that I follow this commentator that I follow is that it's not when it hits the low of normally 25 to 30 basis points it was, it's when it rips back into um, you know positive territory that's normally when you know that you're around the corner of a, of a recession and in the last couple of weeks, it's gotten very, very close to zero again. So that spreads flat and trending higher, which starts to say, and again, if you look at those forward-looking indicators, ISM manufacturing is the one that everyone looks at and goes, this is the cyclical indicator for GDP. It's a leading indicator. Mm-hmm. It's taking us where we need to go. That's pointing to a, a, a meaningful growth slowdown. Um, I mean, on the basis of all those particular things, it makes you think that, I mean, sure, we might have 6, 12, 18 months to dance still, uh, but we're coming to the end of this particular cycle and what can the Fed do on the basis of that and what has, what must the Fed do now in a lot of the markets discounting this to try and make sure that we don't see a massive breakout in volatility, particularly because things start things are looking overstretched, really. Yeah, and if, if you look at some of these earnings that's coming out of the US, you know, it, it's very interesting. I mean, one of the surprises that I, I think that I'm watching right now is uh, some of these... Um, really high-end luxury brands like Hermes mm, and I heard you talking yeah, about this Louis the other Vuitton, day. They're just beating expectations. Yeah. So you look at those gauges gauges about luxury items yeah. and the demand yeah. for that or you know how these companies are faring. Mm. No signs of a recession, right? No. <laughs> but then you look at some of these other maybe more, you know, middle class retailers. Yes. Yeah, so, you, know, yeah. you look at those earnings, not the same picture, is it? No. And no. this is where it's gonna be sort of interesting to see how again 
how is the Fed going to steer us through all this and more so what does this mean for equities markets going forward yeah. you know and that's why I think a lot of these things are going to come back into play is if we are on an onset for not only this global economic slowdown but maybe mm -hmm. even a recession in the US and I think that was one of the themes for Europe as well right where yeah. we saw flat growth for Germany early on this year and there's yeah. a lot of concerns you know is this going to be more than a slowdown are we yeah. entering this period of maybe recessions for these major industrialized economies yeah um, and again the bigger question is right now do some of these central banks have the ammunition well, that's to right. respond that's right, right. So and, thing, and then if they do now, and I mean, this is a little bit too far mm -hmm. out in the future, but mm -hmm. I mean, conceivably, the Fed could cut interest rates incredibly aggressively to zero QE again. All of a sudden, you've got another maybe three or four years of economic growth and just juicing the system um, and just juicing resources in the global economy to keep growth going. But we know there's diminishing returns around that, don't mm -hmm. we? So eventually, it comes to a point where you end up with this massive debt load with diminishing returns to interest rate cuts and you know, sovereign governments around the world up to their eyeballs uh, in debt without any fiscal tools. You know, it doesn't paint a very pretty picture. Um, not to, to sound too dismal and uh, sound like some kind of anarchist here anyway, but I mean, that's kind of, I guess, the dynamic I see that we, we sit in right now is... Um, how long can central banks continue to extend the credit cycle mm -hmm. to, to try and juice the, the business cycle? And more than that, even even just to bring back, uh, you know, about some of the things you mentioned earlier, you know, in mm. terms of credibility and, and more so yeah. about where we're going with monetary policy. Yeah. From my perspective, I guess my question is, is what's worked, right? We've seen, uh, I guess the most extreme case would be Switzerland and Japan, Yeah. right? Uh, SNB continues on with their negative policy, negative yeah. interest rate policy, but even yeah. beyond that, you know, they continue to pledge that if it's needed, they will continue to intervene in the currency market, right? Yeah. So that, yeah. that statement is still there, BOJ. That's, I mean, without riffing on it too much, mm -hmm. I know, but like in the next six weeks, that's that's a possibility. Exactly. I mean, the SME don't mind coming, SNB don't mind coming out and just being like, hey, we're doing this now. Exactly. Man, it's it's Friday at five o'clock. Like, what the hell are you guys doing? And that's why if you're, if you're watching like the Euro Swiss rate, where we're actually yeah. just bouncing off of fresh 2019 lows mm. after the ECB meeting and, and if you guys haven't checked that out definitely go look at that exchange rate it's just very interesting yeah. you know what's happening there but when I take a look at broad picture even about Euro Swiss what does that tell us yeah right that despite all you know the policies you know enacted by the SMB and you know given I'm sure all the resources that they have mm. right will we see more extreme measures be utilized by the SMB given yeah. what's happening with the exchange rate there and more so what is the Bank of Japan going to do? Mm. You know, we're seeing some talks about, you know, given some of the strength in the yen, you know, is it going to yeah. fall back towards a yeah. hundred dollar yen? Uh, if that happens, is the BOJ going to have to do something more? Yeah. And and you know, they they it's took it. Bigger than nonsense that starts up again. And, and this is where they took it to a very extreme in terms of you know not only doing QE but with yield curve control. Yeah. You know, and that, and that's where they really just, you know, again have implemented these policies and and sort of push the push the envelope if you will with monetary policy so you know the one thing i always want to keep in mind is that you know we are seeing some uh some interesting times we're in some mm. you know we're seeing a lot of this unorthodox sort of policy here and, yeah. and this is where i think this is really just an experiment that we're in yeah, you know, on, on a global scale where we've just never been here before so mm. you know that's where i'll be mindful of you know uh, there's that saying of course history repeats itself but you yeah. know when we've never been there before yeah. how do we gauge this stuff right yeah, so yeah. Going forward, and that's sort of my theme is yeah. You well, know, that's that's actually a good point. Mm -hmm. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no worries. But um, you know, we'll, we'll talk from a trading perspective. I know you're just about to go for it, but you know, how do how do we set up from this perspective as a as a you know retail trader? What what are we looking for? 
So it's just don't fight the themes, you know. And, and as simple as some of these themes come out, you know, like the trend is your friend. Yeah. Uh, but I can only imagine how many people are trying to catch the top on equities right now. When, oh, when, when, stats. especially in terms of U.S. equities, when we're just making record highs, mm. despite what earnings are coming out. Yeah. And if the Fed continues to, uh, or really reinforces this idea that they are shifting gears, that we'll see yeah. more accommodative policy, and not only that is, and again, maybe the more bear scenario for the dollars. If we see some language from the Fed that maybe they're on their way to back to zero, yeah, you know, I can only imagine where equity prices would do, right? Uh, exactly. And, and as we're talking about, maybe you know, twenty-five base point cut for July. But if we get that sort of indication, the hints that the Fed is back, going uh, or going to take monetary policy back to zero, yeah, you know, where are we headed? You know, over the next couple of months, you know. Yeah. It, does that mean that we're going to see rate cuts throughout 20 uh, or going into 2020 as well, yeah. even ahead of the elections that we have yeah. you know, for the U.S. next year? So could turn out to be some very interesting dynamics. But from where we are, um, equities rally, I, as long as it's there and, and as long as we have these favorable conditions, don't fight yeah. it. Yeah. And one of the themes that I'm seeing right now, and, and it kind of relates to what we're seeing in, in the Euro-Swiss gold price. Are we seeing this flight to quality, hedge against yeah. fiat currencies, what have you? But the thing that doesn't make sense is equity prices are rallying, right? Mm. So, you know, that's the way I look at it, right? Sometimes, you know, we're used to some of these historical correlations, relationships, yeah. but my uh, sort of mindset, my sort of uh, trading plan, if you will, yeah. going into the Fed, keeping an open mind of things, yeah. looking at the ECB interest rate decision, what can we learn from that? Can we apply anything to the Fed rate decision next week? And more so, what are the markets that we're seeing really reacting and moving yeah. based on some of the macro themes that... Are, are here to stay that continues to develop and more so you know are we going to see some of these behaviors continue to evolve yeah. you know in 2019 going into 2020 so right now i would say you know going to next week don't fight these trends i would say more than that is looking for the markets where we're seeing these trends start to develop mm. and uh, really react to some of these macro themes that are going on at the moment absolutely man well that's perfect and i mean We'll probably go on for another couple of hours and maybe we could flick this thing off and do that but we've run out of time and I think that's a good way to wrap things up particularly because we are heading for what is a pretty significant week from a, from a number of points uh, points of view so Dave mate thanks for coming on thanks for chatting markets with me and um, we'll have to do it again at some point in the future of course we'll definitely do it again thanks for having me Colin had a great time cheers mate <laughs>